This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. I think so. This might be the Lantern Parade. <laughs> it might be. Wow. Look we'll at we'll this. pack you into the back of a truck, give you something that can go up in flames in two seconds, light it on fire, and go march. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I can't wait for the next year. This stuff makes me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was fun visiting uh, a little early today with Alvin and Marissa, uh, fellow park leaders. And uh, it is amazing. I, I don't think you realize how much we evolve as people until you start looking back. Uh, it's like going back to watch one of those shows from 1972, yes. and you go, oh, my God, we have changed a lot. Yes, and I loved hearing from Bob, who's refreshingly honest. You know, I was wrong, and look at what we've done. It's just a cool take. You know, it's one of those things. It was amazing. There was a lot of, a lot of controversy. Uh, I, when I say a lot, there was a very vocal group. I don't know how big it was. Uh, Nelson Golf Course was, of the golf courses that we've had in this community, yeah. uh, a lot of older seniors liked it because it was very short. Yeah. It, it was, um, But if you were going to close one, it, it would be the one that right. you would close. Uh, no one would be traveling here to play that. There was so there were a very vocal group that was very much against them. Bob was one of them. Uh, it's hard for me to believe that was 16 years ago. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, golf was so important to the. It was the thing that we bragged about most. You know, as I was growing up, I heard our golf numbers. People have come from Chicago just to play our courses. So seeing that go was probably tough. But hey, no one was right coming there. from Chicago to, to well, that was, play Nelson you know, Golf. Course. You know the. Yeah, I know. All right, well, listen, we're going to get ready to turn this over to Clay Gerhard, who's taking the stage. 1952, uh, as part of the uh, Playtown USA uh, event that uh, the Decatur did, and it really showcased how ahead of the times we were as a park district and as a community. So. Good morning. My name is Clay Gerhardt. I'm the director of the Decatur Park District, and thank you so much for coming out this morning. Over 500 folks are here today to uh, to celebrate the Park District and our anniversary here uh, for our 100th year as we head into 2024. So um, I want to give you a brief uh, overview of the history of the Park District. You saw a little bit of it in video, and I know that was long, but it was it, it showed showcased a lot of what happened over the years. But uh, we'll go into a history timeline here of kind of where the park district started and how we got to where we were today and not everything is in here but there are key points and critical moments that uh, i wanted to highlight so uh, back in april of 1924 the park district was really born from a gift from the ferries family they donated the ferries property which is out adjacent to the lake as you know and they they put a stipulation on that that a park district had to be formed so community if you want the land for public use you have to form a park district. So uh, community leaders got together and easily uh, had an election where the vote was 4,000 to 321 in favor of establishing a park district back in 1924. So I thought that was very cool to see how that came together. Um, as we look forward here, the Recreation Association was formed in uh, 1926 about and that was really, um, there, there were two entities. You had the park district that was in charge of land, and then you had the recreation association, which was really a bunch of neighborhood groups that were doing all recreation activities, but they weren't really organized at the time. So the recreation association was formed, and that's a very um, unique distinction that we need to, to remember as we talk through the presentation here. You had the park district that did the land, and you had a separate recreation association that did all the recreational activities here. If we look back here, um, one of the first properties we got along with ferries was the Scoville property uh, from Guy and Rose Scoville. Um, $31,000 uh, along with some bond money. They purchased the Scoville property for about $50,000 total. And that was um, designed to be a golf course. It was the Sunnyside Golf Club, and the Scovilles wanted to buy it, donate it to the Park District, and it became really our first golf course. So they had a stipulation in there that the Scoville name always remained, no matter what it was. So Scoville Center, Scoville Field, Scoville Golf Course, whatever it may be. But uh, the Scoville family was obviously very big in uh, supporting the Decatur Park District. So in 1945, this guy Howard Schaub, 
which uh, many folks in the room will know the Schaub family had a very big connection to the Herald Review. They owned the Herald Review. Uh, at the time, they did a lot to support the establishment of Milliken University. But uh, this gentleman uh, donated Brush College Park and Garfield Park to the Park District as park land to, again, increase that inventory of available park space uh, for community use. As we look at... Um, 1948, that's when our airport opened. And there were several small airports around Decatur that were basically dirt runways. And what it came down to was basically the Chamber of Commerce at the time came to the park board and said, hey, we need a formal airport if we're going to um, get get into the modern times and do more transportation and really embrace uh, airlines at the time. So uh, the Civil Aeronautics Administration built the Decatur Airport and then turned it over to the Park District. So this is one of the very early pictures uh, of the, uh, the airfield out there at the Decatur Airport. As we move forward, 1949, again, the Scoville family gifted the Scoville Gardens out near Scoville Zoo. So the Oriental Gardens, the Scoville House, uh, all that property that the Sculpture Park is on right now was donated by the Scoville family once again for another recreational opportunity. Uh, the house here is the summer home of Guy and Rose Scoville, and it is available for rent, by the way, for small uh, parties and functions if you haven't been out there. If we look forward, um, this is when the Recreation Association office was built here in 1961. And, again, the Recreation Association was a separate entity of the Park District. And they had space downtown that was going to be renovated uh, or torn down. I can't remember what it was. But they got kicked out of where they were. And so they came to the Park District and said, hey, can you build us an office space? So at the time, we had a park administration office and then an unconnected uh, Recreation Association office. Again, two separate entities but it started to lay the groundwork for what would become the, the full Decatur Park District here. So, Again, on the right, that, uh, that building was the Recreation Association building, uh, if you're familiar with the park office at all. So then in 1967, the Recreation Association officially becomes part of the Decatur Park District. So that's when things really started taking off. Next thing I want to talk a little bit is about leadership. And uh, I want to invite Bill Clevenger up for a minute. If Bill, if you start to make your way up here. Um, the Park District's been blessed for many years to have great leaders. And there are visionary folks who um, had the audacity and the energy to push forward uh, to establish a Park District. And um, without those leaders, we wouldn't be here today. And that's from the administrators, executive directors, that's the board members, that's all the community support. Um, just a huge amount of, of, of effort leading into this. Um, some of those leaders, some of you may remember Ralph Rosser, uh, the infamous Jerry Menz. How many people knew Jerry Menz? Raise your hand. Yeah, Jerry, Jerry got it done, didn't he? Uh, and then gentlemen at the time who ran the airport. And then we came a few years later, Bill Clevenger. Um, in March 1988, Bill uh, took over as the parks administrator at the time and spent the next 34 years transforming much of the park system into what we see today. We won the gold medal several years ago, which is a prestigious award for park districts. We won the Distinguished Agency Award, uh, which is another great award for park districts. And a lot of that was due to Bill's leadership for his 34 years. So, Bill, come on up, say a few words. Good morning. Feels like old home week here today, I'm telling you. Um, Clay said you get three minutes. It's hard for anybody from West Virginia to do anything in three minutes, let me tell you. Okay, he says I can get five. Uh, it's really been, I always felt like one of the things, one of the most important things that I could do was carry on that tradition. And, you know, I think one of the things the district has done really well for decades is evolve change and evolve uh, and I, I think that's a real tribute to our staff um, let, let me take for just a minute and acknowledge the people who really guided this ship uh, I, I had the opportunity here and I think we as a community uh, should really appreciate 
the park boards over the years. Uh, from 19, I, I started work here March 1st of 1988 and had the opportunity to work with a number of just simply outstanding board members who understood what a board member's role is and what a board member should do to make an organization move forward. And for that, for those of you in the room who were park board members, and most of you served at least 12, if not, I think Jack Kenny's the longest serving park commissioner at 28 years, uh, added, added to the equation, provided that stability necessary to see the things that we as a community enjoy today uh, because we could set long-term plans, we could put those plans in place, and we could execute those plans. And it's a, it's a real tribute to, the, to not only the board members, but also the staff. And as I look around this room, I see a number of old people like me, retirees, we'll call us retirees instead of old people, but who really laid the groundwork for the next generation, the Clay and his staff, to move the district in new directions. And as you look around this room today, would you have envisioned this kind of a meeting in this room? Hats off to Clay and his staff for all they've done here to put this together and taking the district in new directions that we probably don't even know what those new directions will be. But the Park District has always been one to adapt, evolve, repurpose, reposition, and move forward. And just, uh, you know, one of the things that I don't think we realize as a community is we in the parks field work under the best legislation in the United States, bar none. The Park District concept as it's evolved over the years in Illinois, puts the responsibility on boards, elected park board members, to run parks, run recreation, and in our case, run an airport. But that's their sole responsibility. They don't have a multifaceted unit of government that has to worry about a whole bunch of other different things. They can focus on making the district the best it can possibly be. So I appreciate you all being here. And I look forward to sitting back as a citizen now and see where the district goes in the next hundred years. Thank you so much. Big round of applause for Bill. Um, again, so much, so much. We owe so much, Bill, for what, uh, what the Decatur Park District is today. All right. And then you got me. So I'm a little different. And uh, I hope in 34 years I can speak as eloquently as Bill did. But uh, as soon as I started as executive director, our staff started doing some fundraisers. There was an infamous video out there of me at the Devons singing Sweet Caroline while having water balloons launched at me. Um, go YouTube that. That's, that's pretty fun. But uh, our staff embraced me, and uh, we're, we're having fun here at the Park District. So uh, we're excited to move forward in the next, uh, next method. So um, Bill mentioned our commissioners. And um, let's be honest, we, we had those folks like Ralph, Harold, Jerry, Bill, me, um, but we can't do anything without the support of our commissioners. These individuals dedicate countless hours to the Park District to ensure that we continue the legacy of quality programs and facilities here in Decatur. The average Park Board Commissioner serves 11.11 .11 years. Okay, how, how many folks would want to get on a board for 11 years, right? Some of you do. But, but that's a huge stable thing for the Park District to have a stable board that, that continues to move forward and we're not constantly shifting directions. So, um, thank you to all those who have, who have served as commissioners. So, um, current Park Board Commissioners, would you please stand? I want to acknowledge you this morning. Yeah, Chris, stand up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So we have Ms. Shalith Hansbro, Dr. Kristen White, Stacy Young, Chris Harrison and Mr. Bob Brilly. So thank you for serving and all you do. And thank you for hiring me. 
Also along with the, the Park District Board is the Park District Foundation, which we, you know, we talked about on the radio show earlier. The, the, the foundation is that element that always pushes projects over the top. So we may have a $2 million project, but we need $2.5 million. That foundation goes out and finds that $500,000. And many of you in the room have supported the Decatur Parks Foundation over the year, and we want to thank you for that. And please continue that support because uh, the Parks Foundation, under the direction of Allie DeLatte, uh, you know, we would not be able to complete a lot of these big projects and uh, do a lot of these scholarships that we started doing here in the last couple of years without community support. Yep, audio. The Park District puts the fun into Decatur, whether it's music at the Devon or the penguins at the zoo or the water slides. I mean, there's something for everybody. It might be a family activity. It might be golfing with friends. But there are opportunities everywhere, and it's due largely to the Park District. The Park District really is so critical to this community. Quality of life has never been more important. Whether you are trying to attract a new employee to move to town or if we're trying to just make people here happy, everything the Park District does is about making people happy, and, and it works. We're fortunate that the city and the Park District have a really great partnership to try and come together and use our resources and their resources to do great things for this community, and it's working. We are a product of the park. I tell a lot of people that people in our area, in my generation, we owe the Park District a lot of money for babysitters. The parks molded us and uh, made us who we are today, and those parks of Decatur, you take the good, you take the bad, and you take the ugly, and everything the park gave us, it made us prepare for what's going on in today's world. I'm the only one in the family that's from Decatur. Most of my family comes from Tennessee. So when they came up from down south, I asked them, I said, what's the biggest asset you saw when you got to Decatur? The first thing my dad said was, was parks and people everywhere. And those are the memories that I've always had growing up. And I want these, this generation to have those same memories. I want these kids to be proud of their upbringing and how they came up. And that's one thing that we're very proud of is how we were able to take advantage of the parks. The parks fed us at noon. We came back and got a snack at 3 o'clock. And if you were good enough to get on the court at 6 or 7 o'clock, that was considered prime time. That's when the lights came on, and we know we had to 10 o'clock before those lights go off to get out of the park. The parks now are in way better shape than they were when we were growing up. And now you can ride by them and really be proud of them. We just hope that this generation goes out there and take advantage of some of those experiences that we had as youth. The Decatur Park District impacted my life in a significant way. It gave me the opportunity to run and play and be free and my upbringing was magnificent because of the parks as a young person i was a park leader it gave me a um, a sense of responsibility a sense of belonging not only because you know i was a young college student coming back home for that summer i needed something to do it put some money in my pocket but i was able to run into and embrace these young people who come from backgrounds like mine and i was able to give them some direction and life coaching as a park leader and then got to play basketball who wouldn't want to get paid to play basketball with some young people and put a smile on their face because that's what park leaders did a park leader didn't care about where you come from what your background was they were able to just share love with everybody every child no matter where they come from no matter what race they were could have somebody uh, to say you know what this is my friend this is my park leader but most of all this is somebody i can trust with uh, whatever i'm going through and life, whatever I'm going through at home, I can come to the park and just really share with this particular person because that was, I felt like that was my role as a park leader. I was a counselor at the park, right? I was a therapist at the park, but most of all, I was somebody's big brother at the park. It was magnificent. So I grew up here in Decatur, and uh, the park district was a really meaningful part of my life. It was an incredible set of parks and recreational areas that my brother and I took full advantage of. There was always something going on at the parks, whether it was organized or just a group of kids that wanted to play baseball or football. I was a summer park person, uh, wore the yellow hat. I was in Galloway Park. It was after my second year of college. Um, I learned a lot about leadership. Uh, I learned a lot about management. Um, I learned a lot about myself during that time. So that was a really pivotal summer for me. So in addition to all the opportunities I had as a kid, I think that summer was really an important turning point for me and helping to think really differently about where I was going in life. So I give the Park District a lot of credit for that. So I spent over half my life in, somehow involved with the Park District. And uh, but it all goes back to 1981 in the first boss group. So 
That's when I started getting involved in the various cultural arts activities that the Park District offered with Boss and the Young Park Singers, Greater Decatur Corral, Decatur Park Singers. And uh, it was those opportunities that allowed me to build self-esteem and the confidence. Because when you get up and perform in front of a stranger, it can be very nervous. And it was all those opportunities that I had to perform that allowed me, I think, to build the self-esteem that I use to this very day at ADM when I'm talking to either governors or state legislators or U.S. legislators. The staff's fantastic. They always have been. I think, you know, the opportunities that they uh, allow kids to enjoy, uh, whether it be in the sports or in the arts, there's something for every kid out there. We've got to build our kids up. We have to give them opportunities to to experience working with others in team situations or individually, and the Park District has all the opportunities for kids to thrive. I've loved my experiences with the Decatur Park District, and I wouldn't trade them for anything. So one of the coolest things to me about that video is when I started as executive director and I had the opportunity to sit down with Jim Reynolds, the president of Milliken, went over to his office over in Schilling Hall, went in and sat down, and I, I don't know if you saw it in the video, but on his shelf in his office to this day, he has his yellow park leader hat on the shelf. That's how important that program was to him. So um, that meant a lot to me, uh, and so I uh, thought that was a unique connection with uh, with Jim here at the Park District. So, All right. Now we're going to get into some of the fun stuff. Are you ready? Talk about what we're going to do in the next year? Oh, that's not good enough. Come on, people. Are you ready? There we go. All right. So I'm going to start out by sharing some numbers with you that will truly demonstrate the impact that the Park District has had over the last 100 years. Um, the summer impact, just, just this last summer in 2023, we had over 44,000 visitors at Splash Cove, 33 rounds, 33,000 rounds of golf played. We had over 65,000 visitors to the Devon Lakeshore Amphitheater. 16, almost 17,000 visits to Overlook Adventure Park with mini golf and the ropes course, and almost 70,000 visits to Scoville Zoo. 230,000 visits to our parks this last summer just at those facilities. That's not including the folks who go out and use the trail or use the parks or use a pavilion. Just in our facilities, that's how many people uh, we impacted in 2023. As we look back over the last 100 years, um, I, I want to have a little bit of crowd interaction here right now. So let's start out with something simple. Who can guess how many visitors have come through Splash Cove since it opened in 2021? Shout out a number. 100,000? All right. 161,000 visitors have come through Splash Cove just since 2021. How about uh, the Devon Lakeshore Amphitheater? Can anybody remember uh, or know that number? Got a guess? Anybody? 250,000 people through to the Devon Amphitheater since it opened 2019. And then here's a really big number. How many people can guess? Mike Borders is here. Mike, former director of the zoo, right down front. How many visits have we had at Scoville Zoo since its inception? Over a million. 4,231,000 visitors through Scoville Zoo. So we'll throw up some numbers here to uh, maybe... Uh-oh. Technology failed me. There we go. So uh, from 1967 to 2004, again, 4.2 million visits to Scoville Zoo. Decatur Indoor Sports Center, we've had over 4 million visitors here, whether that's memberships, tournaments, soccer programs, all those things, over 4 million visitors. Uh, we talked about the Devon. We talked about Overlook, Splash Cove. Our summer lunch program, so critical to so many kids who can't get a meal in the summer when they're not in school. Over 880,000 meals served in our summer lunch program. That right there is a point to celebrate for those kids in our community. Our cultural arts programs, dance, drama, you know, perform theater, all the activities cultural arts does. They've had over 567,000 people through their program since 1972. Mid-state soccer just established in 2000. Uh, they've had over 29,000 participants. Youth baseball, this is just in the time that it's been under the Park District, right? There were other leagues before it came under the Park District umbrella. But from 2004 to 2024, almost 18,000 participants in our youth baseball softball programs. And there's the big number, folks, golf rounds. 
nine million golf rounds played here in Decatur over the years. Awesome numbers to share. All right, now we're going to talk a little bit about park grants that have been awarded. So from 2001 to 2024, we have been extremely blessed. And uh, we'll show you some of those numbers now. Right now, if you've driven by the Devon Lakeshore Amphitheater, I won't lie, it looks like a bomb went off. But O'Shea, our friends at O'Shea are here. Where are you guys at? You're somewhere. Hey, Tyler guys over there. They have promised us that by May 4th, we are going to have a facility back. But we are... Uh, taking a project to expand the restrooms and concession area, and we'll talk a little bit about that here in a few minutes. Uh, the bike trail uh, we call Stevens Creek 2A that goes from Pershing Road basically to Mound Road. Uh, it's over $2 million given through an IDOT grant for that project. Scoville Zoo Herb Aquarium, uh, where we renovated the building where all the creepy crawlies are, a uh, $750,000 grant from the IDNR. Recreational Trails Grant at Scoville, $200,000. We're going to resurface a lot of the perimeter trails at the old Scoville Golf Course uh, so that they can be used for, for recreation once again. The Scoville Activity Center, we're announcing this tomorrow. You guys are going to hear it today. We were awarded a $2.8 million park grant from the IDNR to build a new senior center out at the uh, Scoville Activity Center uh, out at the former Scoville Golf Course. So... We'll talk more about that. We encourage you tomorrow, 2 p.m., out at Scoville Activity Center. That's the former Scoville Golf Course, Scoville Activity Center, Scoville Park West. We're going to have a press conference at 2 o'clock with Senator Doris Turner and State Representative Sue Shear. They did a ton of work on this to help us get that grant. So please come out if you're available tomorrow, 2 o'clock. Then you can leave work early and go home. Say it's, I, I, Tell your boss I said it was okay. Uh, the big bridge in Fairview Park, you probably saw on Facebook about a year ago, there was this picture of a red car stuck on the pedestrian train bridge uh, in Fairview Park that a driver decided to try to navigate that bridge. Well, that bridge has been in need of repair anyway. The car didn't do any damage. But the bridge has been needed to be repaired because it's it's a 100-plus-year-old train bridge that's rusted and, you know, needs to be replaced. So a $950,000 grant from IDOT for that. Fairview Park, we got another IDNR grant for $600,000 for a new destination playground we'll talk about. Ferries Park Road needed to be servicing desperately. We got a $490,000 grant from IDOT there. This one's cool. We've got a shared use path, which basically is a bike path, that's going to go from 27th Street, kind of where Glad Tidings Church is there, down through the old uh, Nelson Park Golf Course, kind of in the valley there, and connect to Lakeshore Drive. That's the first connecting piece that we hope to be able to connect a bike trail around that entire lake basin in the next 10 years. So we're going to get that first piece in, and IDOT is paying for it 100%. So uh, $372,000 for that. And then just recently, again, uh, the city and the park district partnered. We applied for a tree grant through the USDA. We got that $750,000 tree grant. We're still working out the details. We're going to figure out how many... Uh, my maintenance guys are all running back there uh, when we start talking about planting trees. But uh, we're going to plant a lot of new trees in our parks. Our parks got hit hard over the last five years with the ash borer and different diseases and things like that. So um, every storm we kind of hold our breath because uh, we still know we've got some diseased trees. But we're going to be able to reforest our parks. The city's going to be able to reforest a lot of their areas in the, in the city as well. So um, that's $10 million worth of grants in the last three years. So, can we celebrate that? Alright, so as we talk about projects under construction, I mentioned the bike trail. So from Mound Road to uh, basically uh, one, Route 121, that's the last section of bike trail we have to build before you'll be able to go north of Forsyth all the way out to Rock Springs and beyond. So, um, I can't bike that far. Some of you might be able to. Um, maybe one day I'll try to walk that when it's done. But um, that is going to be just a really cool final piece to put in place. So, it took us about nine years to construct the bike trail from Cresthaven to Forsyth because of regulatory approvals. And we're, we're working in a floodplain and a creek. And every state agency is involved in decision-making on that. But uh, we're hoping to be able to complete that in the next five years. So, um, huge bike trail project going on there. Um, next one I'm going to talk about is a new project at the zoo. And you might have heard about this, but we've had a generous donor donate dollars to build a puma exhibit out of the zoo. And that's a mountain lion, puma, cougar, they're kind of all the same thing. 
Um, so we're going to have another deadly animal at the zoo. Yay! Uh, but um, we're, we're working to design that right now. I'll show you a few pictures here of what that exhibit's maybe going to look like with some walkways. Um, if you're familiar with the zoo and you know where the petting zoo is and the big red barn, it's basically going to go behind that uh, between the red barn and the new train bridge that was installed. So uh, we're excited. We're going to break ground on that hopefully here in March uh, and work on it this next year and then have it ready to, to be open for, for uh, 2025. So uh, another picture here. You'll be able to walk right up to glass. This will be like an exhibit you'd see in St. Louis or Indianapolis, Chicago. It's going to be very cool to see uh, those animals right up close and personal. Another project we've got going on at the zoo, and if you didn't get a check, chance to check it out before breakfast here, over in the far corner here where our zoo staff are at, they've, they've got some great animals to, for you to see, but there's also a video running that talks about our alligators. And we're do, doing a campaign right now, and thanks to the Andreas family, they have committed a $250,000 matching gift towards that campaign. And so Allie and her team at Foundation, they're working hard to raise dollars for that. But we're hoping that that new alligator exhibit will be able to start construction probably about the time we're finishing up that Puma exhibit. So we're going to have a lot of work going on at the zoo here over the next few years. Really exciting time for our zoo. So encourage you, if you have an opportunity to give to that, talk to your businesses, talk to your, your, your folks, see if you're willing to contribute to that. Um, again, watch that video. It really tells the story of GNO, our beloved alligators, and how they need uh, an expanded space. So, next project we've got going on. Again, I mentioned right now it looks like a bomb went off at, uh, at Nelson Park where the Devon is. So, um, this whole back area here, and I can't reach, and I'm not even going to try to jump, but you can see kind of a white box there. That's an overhead garage door, so we can wheel beverages in. But. Um, we're uh, building a whole extension on the back side of the Devon that'll double the amount of restrooms. That's the biggest thing. So I'm hoping, ladies, you won't have to wait in line for 20, 30 minutes anymore to show. So um, we hope to eliminate those long lines of bathrooms and the concession stands. Here's another picture of the back side. That blue area there in the middle of the screen, that is a new VIP box that's being built on top of the restrooms. And that was an innovative idea from our friends at AEX, Larry Livergood and his team, great partners of the Park District. And uh, you can see there's going to be a lot of steps to get up to the new uh, lawn area there. But we'll actually have a formal area to have another concourse for a beverage station. But we do have a VIP deck there. So if your business company is interested in uh, getting a VIP deck, give us a call at the office. We'll connect you with Dustin or myself, and we'll be able to talk to you about that. Um, next, we're going to talk about some major park renovations that are going on in 2024. Uh, I want to start with Garfield Park. And uh, as we mentioned earlier in the history video, you know, Garfield was one of those parks that was originally donated to the Park District. There hasn't been much done in Garfield since it was built. And it needs a facelift. And that community deserves a facelift. So we are going to do our first complete park revitalization of Garfield Park. So... Um, What's going to happen here, and thank you, thank you. What's going to happen here in the next few months is you're going to see a whole new playground. You're going to see new basketball courts painted nice, uh, pretty, uh, an additional pavilion because we know pavilions in that area are, are needed more and more, and an actual parking lot. Right now, you have to park over at the old school and walk across, haul your crockpots and whatnot over to, to the pavilion a couple hundred feet, and it just sucks. So we're going to fix that. Um, as part of that, we're putting item number seven, which is the red box in there, is a, a piece of technology. We've not put technology in our parks before, but it's called an interactive ball wall. Kids will be able to take out their cell phone, connect to it, and play different games, whether they're kicking balls at it, hitting balls at it with a racket, soccer ball, throwing footballs at it. It'll light up and tell you different kind of tic-tac-toe type things, and kids can choose what programs they want to do. So it's the first piece of technology we're putting in the park. We're really excited about that element. A big, ginormous playground's going in there. We've got, again, two large basketball courts up in the top left corner, and then down in the right corner, that smaller basketball court will be what I call kid height. So at a height where, you know, kids who are five to ten years old can play basketball without trying, you know, can't get that ball all the way up to the hoop, well, they can go dunk on the, the kids' court. So we'll probably have problems keeping the big kids off the kids' court. Here's a picture of the playground that's going to be installed at Garfield. Uh, 
another one here of the playground. Again, pretty, pretty large, impressive playground there. So the next project I want to talk about is another playground project over at Fairview Park. And um, this is a partnership uh, between the city and the park district. Um, and, and I'll back up on, when it comes to partnerships. That Garfield Park revitalization, the city is in on that. And they're in a big way. They're giving us $250,000 towards that park revitalization. And so that's that's really the first time that there's been a transfer of funds between the city and the park district at that level uh, to work together. So the city understands the, the need to revitalize that community and bring some, some new growth to it. And so I'm really thankful, city leaders who are here, thank you for that and partnering with us on Garfield Park. At Fairview Park, this is going to be fun. So, again, it's a partnership between the city and the park district. It just so happens the city needs to put a storm sewer in um, right through Fairview Park. And that's going to start here in the next probably month or two. Um, they're going to put in the section that's under the playground because they were going to have to rip out and destroy the playground to get this storm sewer in. And what this is, as I understand it, and I, I may have this wrong, but the, the neighborhood that is south of Save-A-Lot, used to be County Market, experiences heavy flooding issues uh, because it's a combined sanitary and storm sewer. So every time it rains, people have backups in their basement of sewage and whatnot. It's just not a good deal. So the city is taking the initiative to do a separation project where the stormwater is going to go in one pipe and the poop is going to go in another pipe and prevent that problem. But in order to do that, they've got to come right through Fairview Park. And I'm going to tell you all right now, if you live near Fairview Park, you need to know it's going to be destructive. Okay, we're, the city has taken great care to minimize the amount of trees. Very few trees are going to have to be touched in this, but they're going to have to move a lot of dirt because that pipe is deep. So this next year, year and a half, two years, this, Fairview Park is going to be kind of in a transition at the front of the park. Everybody knows that. But the city agreed to go ahead and put the sewer in that goes underneath where the playground is now so that we can go ahead and install our new playground because we already bought it. It was here, right? So... Um, Thanks to them, they broke the project up. They thought, you know, had the forethought to say we can put in this section of stormwater pipe. Uh, I think it's 300, 400 feet of pipe to get in the ground, and then they'll do the larger project probably next year. So, um, again, what this is is a new destination playground at Fairview Park. So it's going to be unlike anything else we have at the park district right now. All that blue surfacing, that's rubber poured in place surfacing like we have at Scoville Zoo. But we're calling this a destination playground. Scoville Zoo is a destination playground. The playground at Overlook uh, that's got turf is a destination playground. And this will be a new destination playground at Fairview Park. Think American Ninja Warrior, okay? There's also going to be new fitness equipment put in the park. Here's another view. This is the American Ninja Warrior area where you kids can uh, do different obstacles and time themselves. There's going to be a combine where you can run the 30-yard dash or whatever it is. It'll have a clock there to time you and how fast you go. So um, big climbing tower there uh, on the left side. Uh, this area that's got turf with the hash lines, that's an area where kids can throw footballs. And there will be kind of down at this end, there will be a field goal and holes in the, the field goal area where kids can practice throwing balls through the, through the field goal. So pretty cool playground. We're excited about this one. Um, all that uh, American Ninja Warrior, that's all turf. That's artificial turf, which we've not done a lot of at the park district. But we're moving forward in the times, and uh, this is going to be this tremendous asset. This would not have been, been possible without an Oslad grant, again, from the Illinois Department of Natural Resources. So they have been extremely supportive of us here at the Park District, and uh, this is going to be a huge project. But then this next summer, we're not going to have a playground in Fairview Park. It's going to be under construction for 2024, be ready to open hopefully in August of uh, uh, 2024 as we head into the fall. So. Scoville Park West. I talked a little bit about this. You know, this is the, the former Scoville Golf Course, and we've got some really cool things going on there with that grant that I just uh, announced that we were going to receive. So I'm going to get on my soapbox here for just a minute, so bear with me. I'm going to take a drink first because it's really dry in here. So we know that by 2040, the number of seniors in the United States is going to outnumber the number of 0 to 18-year-olds. The baby boomer population is aging, and, and if we don't do more as a society to keep seniors active, engaged, socially independent, 
to where they don't become hermits and lock their doors and have a catastrophic event in their homes or overwhelm our health care system. We don't have enough nursing home beds. We don't have enough hospital beds. So at National Conference for Parks, they are really pushing that we have a huge responsibility in this. So many of you know that, that we partnered with the Decatur-Macon County Senior Center. They ended up rolling into us. We absorbed their staff. We're doing the services that they did there. But we have a completely different vision for what senior services are going to be in Decatur out of School Activity Center. That new building is going to cost somewhere between 8 and $9 million. We got $2.8 million from the IDNR. Our park board has already said they're, they're willing to do an alternate issue bond where we can get another three or four million dollars. And then we're going to have to top that off with sponsorship dollars and, and donations and whatnot. So, um, seniors need a new home. And picture a space, a building that's probably as large as this room, maybe a little bit larger, that has a fitness center. It has areas for them to play their bingo and mahjong and things like that. But it also, has outdoor recreation elements. We've got the trail network out there. We're going to build some trails that are easier to navigate for seniors. Um, pickleball. How many pickleball players we got in the room? Oh, I'm surprised there's not more. Or you're being quiet, one or the other. Um, we don't have any pickleball courts on the west side of town right now. We will, out of Scoville Park West at this renovation. We're going to have pickleball courts out there. The whole goal is to bring people in. Right now we're serving that 78-year-old is kind of our median age that we're serving. We want to lower that and bring out, you know, I'm sure a lot of you in the room who are 55 are not ready to admit your seniors. So we're going to call it the Scoville Activity Center so you can come out and not feel like you're old. So, um, But... We're going to offer a lot of services that uh, seniors need with health care uh, advice and assistance. Right now here in January, we're going to be kicking into tax preparations. I think we're going to do something like four or 5,000 tax preparations free for seniors. So uh, that's been a, a, a great partnership, again, with the Decatur Making Out of Senior Center. The city's been involved in that. The city stepped up their contribution to seniors just here in the last month, uh, awarding the Park District uh, about $100,000 a year for senior services. So we're excited about this. All right, the next thing we're going to talk about is just upcoming events. So how many of you, by show of hands, remember or ice skated under the big pavilion at Fairview Park? Yeah, quite a few of you. Okay. We're not bringing ice back. We will never have ice at the Decatur Park District. Well, unless the commissioners tell me we got to have ice. I won't ever have ice. But uh, you see some roller skates on your tables uh, there. We're going to put a new event in February start called Rolling Back Time. And so you'll be able to come out two weekends in February, February 2nd through the 4th and 9th through the 11th, to Fairview Park, to the main pavilion. Um, how many of you remember the dasher walls that used to be in here, the white walls before we had the curtains? We still have all those out at the airport, so we're going to reuse those at Fairview to make a, a barrier for the kids to skate in and whatnot. Some of you may not want to skate, but you may want to relive the, the uh, nostalgia of it. So come on out one of those two weekends. Um, we're going to have our mini donut trailer out there. We'll have some fire pits. We'll have hot chocolate. We'll do all the things the Park District does out there. And uh, our staff are going to be busy because as soon as we're done with this today, we're meeting like this afternoon to kick off this event and get it all ready to go. So uh, lots of things going on. So rolling, in, rolling back in time, skating to Fairview Park, February 2nd to the 4th and 9th through the 11th. Here come the mummies. So we have a pretty impressive setup here today. Um, this is not just for us and to make... My staff joked earlier that they were going to, like, make here come the president announcements and whatnot, like this is some presidential address or whatnot. But um, the goal of this was to see how, how a stage and sound and video is going to work in here for Here Come the Mummies. Because uh, March 2nd, uh, they're going to be performing here. Uh, it's going to be our first trial run to have a concert. You look at this space. This is one of the largest expo spaces, along with sport courts, that we have in Decatur. So we can do big events like this and concerts and whatnot, so we're going to do one. Here come the mummies, March 22nd. Now, today only, since you are here, you can buy tickets to the mummies concert for $20. That's $10 off what the price normally is. So for $20, that's basically our cost, you can buy tickets. Over here at the T-shirt area, uh, the ladies will be happy to help you at the end of the uh, show. Please purchase some tickets, even if you don't want to come. I guarantee you the kids will come. Talked to a bunch of Millican students who were running here yesterday. They instantly were pulling up the mummies on their phone, and they're like, yes. So uh, obviously Millican's a big music school, so we're excited to bring the mummies back to Decatur, uh, a Decatur staple. 
Um, also here in March, we're going to have a, a, a new event in here called the Wiffle Ball Classic. And that's going to be March 22nd through the 24th. It's the first time we're, we're doing an event like this, but we can actually fit two wiffle ball fields in here. And uh, wiffle ball is a big thing in the summer here in our community, and so we want to kind of kick off the season with a wiffle ball tournament here. So we'll have more details rolled on that soon. That's that's a pretty new event that we're uh, envisioning, so we're, we're wrapping up the details and be putting information out about that as well here pretty soon. Who remembers the Dolphins downtown? Our friends are back. We, uh, we restored them. We, we were blessed with a tremendous horticulture staff. And one of the guys there, Orson, um, he has experience patching concrete and whatnot on statues. He took the uh, initiative to repair both of these guys here today. And uh, we'll, we'll have an opportunity here at the end of the uh, event for you to get engaged and support uh, the Dolphins here. So, Our Arch Jamboree, May 4th at the Devon Lake Shore Amphitheater. Again, another new event. This is going to be a celebration of the arts, uh, one-day event. There will be plant sale going on and pot making, friendship bracelet making, bubble painting. Uh, our donut truck will be there again. I think our donut truck goes to every event now. Uh, rock painting, uh, we'll have performances by Decatur Park District performers, and just tons of fun times. So it's, it's a cultural arts celebration. So uh, come on out to the Lake, uh, Devon Lakeshore Amphitheater on May 4th to check out what's going on there with the Arch Jamboree. And then just a teaser, there's another event we're working on May 3rd to the 4th, Decatur Park Singers. How many of you were remembered of the Decatur Park Singers? How many of you were a park singer? How many of you are connected? Uh, I guess that doesn't matter. So I started at the Park District in 2000 when I was graduating high school as a sound tech running stuff like this for Decatur Park Singers. So 24 years I've been around the Park District off and on, and I, I didn't put, do that math until one of my friends sent me a picture out of a program that I was a lot skinnier back then. Need to get need to get back there. So we'll put out more details soon, but this is going to be a, a unique event to kind of uh, have a homecoming of sorts for the uh, Park Singers, uh, invite alumni back, have some special performances, things like that. So hold the, tight, hold the date, May 3rd and 4th. All right, ladies, I am not involved in the planning of this event at all. I was not allowed to be. No males. This is only ladies. Our ladies staff here at the Park District are uh, putting together this event. It is going to be a fun night of golf at the, the miniature golf complex at Overlook. Um, it'll be uh, something where you can have lots of drinks. There'll be special surprises, treats, lots of pampering going on. So from 5 to 9, it's going to be a ladies' night uh, for, for just the ladies to experience something. Uh, and I don't have all the details. If I can get this to scroll down here, do better. Um, vendors, uh, you can indulge in eyelash lifts. I have no idea what that is. Hair tinsel, don't know what that is either. Uh, permanent bracelets, I don't know what a permanent bracelet is. Um, I'm not going to this event apparently, but ladies, you need to go. And our, our female staff at the Park District are super excited about this, and they are rolling with it. So to top it off, you'll leave with a bag of goodies. Uh, includes a latte for later and breakfast the next morning. Uh, so gather your friends and secure your spots uh, for, the, for the 5 to 9 at Mini Golf. Um, it'll be a fun time with your girlfriends. So please join us. I did the mouse thing and it ticked it off. Come on, technology. Bear with me, folks. I apologize. Getting it back. 
So, Clay, having a laptop issue uh, on the stage here as they're giving the presentation, as soon as they get it back, uh, we'll be back to go. Nick, so far, pretty cool. Uh, I wanted to tell you, if you were listening to the video earlier, that would have been Mayor Julie Moore-Wolf, uh, Rodney Skywalker, uh, Courtney Carson, uh, Jim Reynolds, President of Milliken University, and Chris Riley. I, I wanted to kind of interrupt while it was going and say who it was because it had it on the screen. Uh, and you probably thought, well, I, that's a familiar voice. That's right. There we All go. right, now we're back to the stage. My technology didn't want to work anymore because it didn't want me to make these announcements. So we're going to roll out some Devon announcements right now. These are shows that are not out to the general public yet. So please do not post them. You're kind of getting a, a, um, just a sneak peek of what's going to go on. Some of these are going to be announced tomorrow. Uh, but uh, um, So this is going to be Sister Hazel with special guest Deep Blue Something on May 31st, kind of kick off Memorial Day weekend. Deep Blue Something had the song Breakfast at Tiffany's, so that'll be a pretty cool event to have going on there. And then we head into Hardy's Highway, June 8th and 9th. And this is uh, a tremendous event that uh, is being brought back by Sean Bowser, who was a boat is a, is a boat racer. He's a Decatur police officer. He's been trying to bring this back for years, and uh, he's he's rallied the troops, and we are going to bring it back in full force. So boat racers are coming back June 8th and 9th, and a big part of that is thanks to the Will, uh, Warren Daniel Hardy Charitable Foundation. Dan, can you raise your hand? Dan Hardy, right there, folks. Dan has agreed to fund the boat races for three years, so we are working to get that all up and running. Um, you know, you need everything from cranes to police to safety and fire department divers. It's a big deal to do a boat race. So the city's partnering with us on that. The Decatur Convention and Visitor Bureau, Terry Hamill and her folks, uh, are also uh, sponsoring that event and helping us put that together. Next, on June 14th, we've got what we call Summer Splash Adventure. So what this is, is kind of like a amazing race style competition, if you will. So June 14th, you'll be able to gather a teammate and prepare for an action-packed evening doing mini golf. You'll do ropes. You'll do splash cove. And then after you burn all those calories, you'll go over to the top ice cream shop and get them all back. So um, it's going to be a fun, amazing race type event. Uh, you'll... you'll uh, Visit various stations throughout the park where you'll face different tasks and activities. Great team bonding uh, program activity thing to do. We'll be rolling out more information about that soon, but it's going to be a cool thing to kind of bounce back and forth between mini golf, ropes course, getting in the pool, lots of exercise and challenges. So it'll be a fun event. Oh, man. This is frustrating. All right, here's another one. Blackberry Smoke, July 7th. We're bringing them to the Devon Lake Tramplier. How many remember those, folks? Blackberry Smoke, early band from the year 2000. So they will be uh, performing at the Devon on July 7th. Uh, they've had several hits, uh, songs like Up in Smoke, uh, was it Waiting in the Thunder, things like that. So... Um, exciting event there. Uh, Neil McCoy, July 12th, with special guest Alex Miller. Uh, Alex was on American Idol last season, had several hits, but uh, super impressive uh, country artist there with Neil McCoy. And again with Alex Miller on July 12th at the Devon Lake Shore Amphitheater. Okay, this event is a really cool one, Wings and Wheels. So this is probably going to be our premier event this summer. What we're going to do is out at the Decatur Airport, we're going to have a whole host of static airplane displays. Tim Ryder, airport director, is working with the military to get some really big planes in. We'll also have some civilian planes. We partnered with the uh, Ripple Motor Show Group to uh, have a car show out there as well. Uh, we're going to have an antique tra tractor show as part of that. Touch a truck for the kids will be making a return to that. That will be a daytime activity. And then at night, we're going to kick into some other fun activities that uh, will be unique to Decatur. So, um, how many of you have seen a drone show? Okay. There's not a lot of them in central Illinois. I don't think any. We're going to have one out at the airport that night. So it'll be teamed up between a drone show combined with fireworks combined with the Wall of Fire, which if you have not experienced the Wall of Fire... That thing is probably a 1,000 feet from you, and when it blows, 
you get a suntan. It's awesome. So this is going to be our premier event. We'll have bands out there during the day as well as we head in the evening. And then you'll be able to sit out on the tarmac. You've got to come inside the gate at the airport. That's the only way you're going to see the drones because they are going to be kind of low. Uh, to be able to see this. So that'll be really our premier event is drone show, fireworks, um, capping off the celebration before the kids go back to school. So uh, it'll be an event you won't want to miss. We're really excited about that. Dunn Company has agreed to be the presenting sponsor for that. We really appreciate their support uh, on that program. And so um, I'm really looking forward to this one. It's going to be fun. So this one we can't really even talk about yet, but we're going to. Blues Traveler. Who knows Blues Traveler? They're coming to the Devon Lake Shore Amphitheater. Justin, help me out. August. I can't see your hands. Ninth? Ninth. August 9th. They're coming to the Devon. So uh, I grew up listening to this band and that mad harmonica skills. So I'm excited to see Blues Traveler come to the Devon. So uh, watch for more information about that. Casey and the Sunshine Band, August 23rd. Uh, all those great hits. Uh, That's the way I like it. Shake Your Booty. I was going to play a little bit of that song, do a dance, but nope. Um, so we're excited to welcome Casey and the Sunshine Band. Um, I will tell you, this year at the Devon, it has just been a uh, a little bit more of a, a struggle to book the acts. Acts that were costing us sixty to $80,000 are now charging $110,000, $120,000. So we are, we are watching that price point. Um, Dustin's working hard to fill out the schedule, but uh, we'll be rolling out some more band announcements here real soon. We've got a couple A-listers that are right there. We're almost, almost done on the deal. So, all right, November 1st and 2nd, we've got a new event that our staff have, have wanted to do for several years that... Uh, um, we've talked about doing a haunted hayride out there or something like that, but this is going to be just a, just a family-friendly hayride through the old Skullhole Golf Course. As you know, it's grown up. It's it's kind of overrun in areas, if you will. It's gone back to nature. There's a lot of nature out at Scoville. And so uh, we're going to have a hayride. There'll be bonfires out there. There'll be beverages for purchase if you want. But it's really intended to be a family event where you can come out and uh, just enjoy a nice evening with your with your family on a hayride through the old grounds and uh, top it off with some fun events at the end. Uh, I think the mini donut truck is going to be there again, too. And then the last event to, to cap off the evening, we did this a couple years ago, um, is the Santa Fly-In. So we're going to fly Santa in via helicopter again to several neighborhood parks. Uh, probably have them land out at Hickory Point Golf Course again as part of Trees on the Tees. And so we're looking for sponsors for that. It costs a lot of money to fly a helicopter from Chicago to Decatur to be able to fly Santa around. So if your company and business is interested in helping us with that, we would greatly appreciate it. All right, so this is the this is the time when we need your help, and um, I want to to talk a little bit about the community support. ADM today stepped up and, and gave a donation to offset a huge part of this breakfast. So, thank you to ADM, folks. You got you got a breakfast that that rivals anything you'll get in Decatur for for less than what you'd pay, you know, at a restaurant, and then you got a show, and you got to listen to me. So why not? Um, we need sponsors. And if you look over here to the right, we've got our, our, our train car. And this is a commemorative train car from Scoville Zoo. Our fleet manager, the guy who takes care of all of our equipment, they take these cars every year. They take one car from the zoo and they break it down piece by piece by piece. Just the brake systems on these trains. There's like a thousand parts in each one of these trucks, they call them, underneath the trains. And he called me and said, hey, I have an idea. I said, why don't you sell sponsorships for these benches on a commemorative train car for the 100th anniversary? I said, Tim, I need more ideas like that. And I think now Tim, Tim regrets that decision a little bit because he had to hustle to get this done. And he and his staff, Joe and Damon, did a great job getting this ready. So we have seven seats on this commemorative train car. Okay, seven seats. And what we're asking is $2,500 a seat. And I'm going to challenge you today. If there are folks in the room, businesses that know they can do $2,500, you'll get plaques on each side of the train car. Um, you'll get you know, recognition as part of the train going to the zoo. All of our other train cars are red. This one will be green. It'll be the one that stands out and all the kids are going to run to. So do I have anybody here today? Call to action. Do I have anybody here today who's willing to sponsor one of those benches? 
Rachel Moran, Community Foundation. Melanie Schelling, Al Schelling, thank you. Dan Calkins. Who all? Stan Hardy, thank you, Dan. Sir, what's your name? Storage Masters, awesome, thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. W A N D. Thank you. So I don't know how many that was. We have more train benches. They're just red, so we can keep going. Um, seriously, if you are interested in a sponsorship, we will we will be happy to uh, to talk to you about that a little bit more. So, um, last thing I just want to say today is thank you for for everybody who, who's come here today. Um, we would not have been able to do this event again without the, the support of ADM and all of their um, efforts. And ADM not only sponsored the breakfast, but they sponsor things at the Park District year-round. They're, they're our biggest sponsor and have been for, for decades. And so we are so appreciative of their support. So ADM, thank you for, for sponsoring the breakfast. North America Building the Trades, they've agreed to be the presenting sponsor for the 100th anniversary for all events, $10,000. So Josh Sapp, his crew, all the... You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.